ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. And it is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. And it is yet another day where the Houston Texans have been struck by injury. Derek Stingley Jr. hurt towards the end of practice, according to defensive coordinator Matt Burke. Brooks Cabina has been reporting that it potentially happened on the last play of practice as he was reaching out to try to grab an interception. If you've not heard the news, Derek Stingley Jr. has suffered a hamstring issue, uh, injury and he's expected to miss six to eight weeks in what is a growing list of injuries for Derek Stingley Jr., not only in his Texans career, but in his football career. Yeah, it's disturbing, Jeremy. It's disturbing because we go all the way back. We know that Nick was enamored with Stingley Jr., even after sitting out a year at LSU, he was making the trips and we were hearing the extra trips and wanting to make contact to make sure that he was, you know, keeping tabs on and really seemed to like Daryl St- uh, uh, Stingley Jr., Derek Stingley Jr. But here's the thing. You and I both said, look, there's option A and option B, and they both play the same position, and they both are very talented players. The big thing is Sauce Gardner's a hell of a lot more healthy, and his track record has been he's been a lot healthier, no matter what else you say about Derek Stingley Jr., and Nick Casario went the other way. He went with the guy that had a less percentage chance, if you will, of being not only successful because of what they could do on the field, but more importantly, being healthy because we always say the best kind of ability is availability, and at least you'd be going with a guy that has a track record of health. And now here we are, and we know that maybe it was health-related and other things. Maybe it was. It just wasn't right for him in his rookie season that he didn't play a lot, and they ended up shutting him down. But here we are again with another Nick draft pick where we have more questions than answers, and you're left looking at that draft going, did he do that right at all in the first round? I'm not sure we have questions, honestly. Like, I, think we, deal? I think we might have answers. Yeah. Like, is Derek Stingley going to play football again? Yes, obviously mm-hmm. he's going to play football again. Do I expect Derek Stingley to play football again this year? Yeah, I do. I expect I mean, It's happened so early in the season. I expect we're going to see Derek Stingley Jr. again in 2023. But I think we do have the answer that Derek Stingley Jr. is an injury-prone football player. When was the last time he played a full football season? Like, the, the from start to finish. It was his sophomore, his sophomore year at LSU, year at LSU. Yeah. which is, what, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Like, Derek Stingley is injury-prone. You go back to the injuries he had at LSU, he was dealing with, like, sprained ankle stuff, which, look, that's kind of something that lingers around. Like, you have weak ankles. I've been known to have weak ankles. He had the Liz Franck, which, like, he's a smaller guy, so it's not like Yao Ming having the Liz Franck, but it's not great to have feet issues as an athlete. You go back to last year, what was the injury? It was a hamstring injury that forced him to miss the last eight games of his rookie year, and then he gets hurt today again at practice. He's had four different injuries. I would say three of the four, like if we're not counting an ankle sprain as a moderately severe injury, then three of the four. Liz Franck's pretty severe. A hamstring pull as a corner as a football player is pretty severe. It forced him to miss eight weeks last week or last year. That's that's pretty significant. And we're looking at six to eight weeks again for Derek Stingley. That's a significant football injury. So each of the last three years that Derek Stingley Jr. has played football, he has suffered a significant injury. Look, 
I think guys are injury prone. I, I think that every athlete is injury is either injury prone or he's an Iron Man, never gets hurt. Uh, we see this across sports all the time, where players that get hurt oftentimes always get hurt. The, yeah, there's fluke injuries, things like that. But look at Lance McCullers, always hurt. Jordan Alvarez seems to get an ailment each and every year. Some guys are just prone to injury. And Derek Stingley Jr. until he can play like two years consecutively without significant injury, I'm going to think that Derek Stingley Jr. is injury prone for his entire NFL career. And oh yeah, you don't get healthier the older that you get. Usually the younger players are the one that have the best bill of health. So yeah, I think we have our answer in terms of how is Derek Stingley Jr. going to do health-wise in the NFL because Look, let's face it. That was a question that was asked when he was drafted. Uh Is he healthy enough? Do you believe that he can be somebody who stays on the football field? Quite frankly, we we didn't think so. Like nope. especially because of the list Franck. And I remember you being all over the list Franck because you were that scared you off of Derek Stingley. The Yao thing with me, I've it been scared you it. off. Of yeah, it. and I was like, don't touch him. Don't. I don't want to take that chance. It's too hyper important of a pick for a franchise that, whether at the time or not, they were willing to admit that they were rebuilding. This was too important of a guy to your future. This was too important of a pick at this high and at this height in the draft to not get right. And, and it's not like you didn't have other options. If this was the only corner rated in the top 10, mm-hmm. maybe it's different, but there are other options at other, uh, other position groups. But because you had two, and you knew Sauce Gardner better than most of the two of us because you saw him play in person. Yeah. You knew his size, his length, his ability to do things on the football field. So together, we both said, look, they're both possibly very, very talented NFL football players, but of the two, one of them doesn't have a bill of goods that looks like He's damaged. Yeah. See, there, there's two ways to, like, break this news down. One's, like, the immediate future of the Houston Texans for the next six to eight weeks without Derek Stingley Jr. If you still have a lot of stock in the 2023 Houston Texans season, which many people do, whether you played an over on their five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half wins, however you got it, if you're one of the guys that's sweating where the Houston Texans draft pick lands, we, we all wanted to start seeing more victories this year. I know last year Killer Bees were embraced the suck because who cares? where you finished get cj stroud right like that looks good in hindsight whenever we're sitting here in week 10 of the 2022 season and you have some homers that want to win football games we're like no dude lose so you can draft a franchise quarterback which i do think the houston texans have landed in cj stroud so like but you don't have the luxury of doing that this year so everybody depending on if you're like the homer try to win seven eight games if you're the rebuild get the best draft picks you can like we've all united because of that draft day trade that you made in 2023 to win football games this season that way you don't pick first or second we can't do that anymore so like the immediate future of the houston texans i think they're screwed in the secondary if i'm being completely honest they're going to be without jalen petrie again Again this week, he hasn't been practicing. They are going to get Jimmy Ward back. That's great. But if I could pick one of the two safeties that I prefer to have on the football field, it'd be Jalen Petrie. Amen to that. Tavier Thomas has a broken hand, had surgery. He's going to be out. They haven't put him on the IR yet. They're saying like three to four weeks. Who knows if he lands on the IR or not. But that's a significant loss because now your nickel corner is a guy named Graylin Arnold. Yeah, not many people have heard of him. You're also going to have to be forced to play Shaq Griffin a lot over the next six to eight weeks. And look, I, I think Shaq Griffin's a nice backup player. I don't think he's suited to be an NFL starter anymore. This Texans defense that I was bullish about in week one, D'Amico Ryans was scheming some things up. I still you know, love the front four. I think Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, Rankins Collins is a very formidable front four. But this secondary is going to be shredded, and it starts Sunday against Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I just think that you haven't given your team the best chance to succeed and win no matter what you say about 
anything else about Nick Casario, just in the way you've built this team. But now you're looking at it, and everything is stacking up against this team more and more week to week. We already went through all the different injuries on the offensive side of the football, and it starts and ends with the offensive line and how that ruins everything. But defensively, I agree with you. Their front four, they, they look like they can be difference makers. But they got to have help. And last week, they didn't get a whole hell of a lot of help. And the front seven, as it relates to the linebackers, was not very good because of the linebackers primarily, but also just overall. But then you also kind of relied on the fact, looking at the team going into the regular season, look, if you have the guys that you have, if you have Petrie, if you have Stevie Nelson, if you have Stingley, you've got enough guys there, and then you bring in a ward, you look like you've got experience, athleticism, talent that can do some things to kind of slow down the passing game. Now you look like you're getting to the point where you look like the offensive line. It's patchwork, it's makeshift, and it scares you because you're now going to face a team that's going to sling it all over the yard with Trevor Lawrence, and you're going to have to try and stop that with you know backups in a lot of positions. It's going to be difficult for the Houston Texans to slow down offenses. Thus, it's going to be difficult for the Houston Texans to win football games. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're are they unlucky? Uh, it's hard for me to say that a team that is dealing with a rash of injuries in a sport like football is unlucky. Like, this is the kind of stuff that happens in pro football. Are the Texans experiencing more than other teams? I guess you can make that case. I think it's unfortunate that they're experiencing it like all in the same position group. Like this is the secondary where you're going to be without two of your best secondary pieces in Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petrie, who's going to be missing his second game in a row. You're also going to be without Stingley for six to eight weeks. How long are you without Tavier Thomas, who's been really good, by the way? Mm-hmm. Like you cut Desmond King because you wanted Tavier Thomas, and he has been really good for you, and now you're without him. So this Texans defense is in a. Uh, how do I want to say it? In like a medical bed? They're they're in bad shape. Mass unit. They're in a mass unit. They're in bad shape. And then you look at the offensive line. They're in bad shape. Like it's going to be very difficult for the Houston Texans to win football games. Uh, whether it's the secondary, whether it's the offensive line that can't run block, can't really pass protect either. It's difficult. It's difficult. It's frustrating for a, for a variety of reasons. One, you wanted the Texans to win more games. Secondly, look, the, the fact that you gave up that draft pick still in the back of your mind a little bit. And then the third one is the big picture view. Are the Texans in good hands with general manager Nick Casario? And I think that's the bigger conversation. I think that's the larger conversation to have. Because, look, Texans are six to eight weeks. They get Stingley back. We didn't expect the Texans to be a playoff team. There's a lot at stake this year, but playoffs weren't really ever at stake. Again, Nick Casario is right there in front of the limelight, taking a lot of criticism, rightfully so, and a lot of people are asking the question today around Houston, is Nick Casario the right man to be the general manager of the football team in this city? I I just don't think he is. I I said it was a fireable offense when you knew I was way over the top fired up about the fact that you went out in a press conference and openly admitted that you completely tripped over your you-know-what and screwed everything up. By, by dealing with an injured Kenyon Green the way that you did. The way you mishandled everything. You admitted when you knew the injury was not an if, but a when it was going to go. You knew it was coming. You knew that you had to do something, and you didn't. You, you, as a matter of fact, you went every other way in every other direction to solidify other pieces of the offensive line and really didn't give yourself a really good viable option to back up and replace Kenyon Green. And then Kenyon Green went out, and he went out before the season even started. So there's a swing and a miss. Now you're talking about you know just a short time later, a few weeks later, and here we are talking about your other first-round pick from that same year. And you guys mentioned, by the way, on the Green situation, there were so many other good football players, really good football players, you could have had there because everybody raised an eyebrow and said, you're taking a guard that high. Well, he better be really, really good. 
and, and he hasn't been. And the guys that you did not take in, in by taking him have been very, very good for the most part. And then you look at this Stingley situation, and here comes another completely just looks like botched situation where you had to choose between two guys. The other guy looks like he's pretty damn good as defensive rookie of the year a year ago. You were so enamored with the guy that's been hurt, and now here we are sitting there looking at, my God, you don't want to be a team that has first-round picks that high every year. But when you have them, you got to maximize them. One thing Rick Smith could do is he could get the first-round picks right no matter what he did with the rest of a draft class. This is a horrible look. Yeah, not only was Sauce uh, defensive rookie of the year, he was a first-team All-Pro yep. as a rookie. Like He was immediately one of the best corners in all of football. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Lee Sterling, who's on a heater to start the football season from Paramount Sports, he'll be joining us at 4 o'clock. Bad Take Boulevard at 4.30. A lot to get to with the Houston Astros as well. But let's have that Nick Casario conversation. Is he the right guy to be the general manager alongside D'Amico Ryans trying to bring the Texans back to prominence and boy april 28 2002 or 2022 rather sure looks like a day that's gonna live in infamy for nick casario 713-780-3776 twitch.tv slash espn 97.5 he's at pac-man joel he's at joe george radio i'm at jeremy branham it's the killer beast on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 you know this texans offensive line could use mike holly a little bit he used to uh, protect the heisman trophy winner now he wants to protect you and your businesses, though. U of H class of 1990 uh, has been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years, almost three decades now. Uh, HRMP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll as well. HRP will work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need, wherever you need help, wherever you want to get a little bit off your plate. HRP will figure out a plan for whatever you want. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. Their customer service is second to none as well. As whoever you're calling on the other side is going to know you and know your business. It isn't a stranger. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you, familiar with your company. And I can speak to that customer service. Anytime I have a question, I always get a quick response. It's easy to understand. I've been telling you these last couple of days, uh, early enrollment just opened up here at Gal. So simple, and I, I thank HRP for that. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call right now, 281-880-6525, and let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. April 28th, 2022 is going to be the worst day in the professional career of Nick Casario. Wow, what a job by Casario. But if this fails, this might be the worst day in Houston, Texas history. Yeah, that's Branham there, draft 2023. Maybe I was a, a day late and a dollar short. Maybe it was April 28, 2022. Look, he was bold in 2023. A lot of us don't necessarily agree with the trade that he made, but we're putting that aside to the second. Uh, we had This came up yesterday because it comes up every show. Like It's the Black Cloud. It's going to come up every show. It's probably going to come up in every single show in the city of Houston when they're talking Houston Texans, big picture view. Uh, Joe made the astute point, and maybe Joe put a little karma on this. I don't know. But Joe was like, look, maybe 2022 first round is going to be the one that Nick Casario looks back at as the worst day of his professional career. 
We were like looking at the Kenyon Green aspect of this yesterday because Kenyon Green, you traded down, you selected him at 15, you traded from 13 down to 15. I said 12th yesterday. It was my bad. It was the 13th pick down to 15 where Jordan Davis was selected. Who wouldn't want Jordan Davis on this football team instead of Kenyon Green? On top of that, Nick Casario made Kenyon Green the first interior offensive lineman taken in a first round that would later have Zion Johnson of the Chargers, who's been pretty good. Trevor Penning of the Saints, who was more of a tackle than an interior offensive lineman. I don't really know how he's playing. Tyler Smith has been pretty good for the Cowboys. And then Tyler Linderbaum has turned into like one of the better centers in the entire NFL. Bill Belichick reached on Cole Strange. People thought that was a strange pick at the time, but he's actually been pretty good. So of all the offensive linemen taken from Kenyon Green, first interior offensive Offensive lineman taken in 2022 on its way down. Kenyon Green's been one of the worst there. Now today, less than 24 hours later, we're now recycling the conversation of Derek Stingley at three, Sauce Gardner at four, because Derek Stingley is going to miss probably two months of NFL action again in 2023. Uh, it's a miserable scenario for a team that doesn't need any more misery. They need to be put out of their misery for all that they've already been through. From O'Brien to Easterby to all the different missteps, this was all part of this complete rebrand, both football-wise and organizationally, for this team. And Nick Casario was part of that plan. And he was supposed to be the architect of the rebuild. And now, with each passing day when another situation like this pops up, he seems to be more of a problem than the solution because of the things that he has done. We've talked about in the past the trades and the missteps that he made. We talked about in the fact that you and I both were adamant against the trade that he made this draft day to give up that pick when I personally did not think this roster and this team was ready to start pushing the win button and being concerned with them after two years of Embrace the Suck. I knew they were going to be better. I knew the roster was going to be more talented. I knew they were going to be younger, but I didn't think that was going to translate to that many more wins. But everybody drinking the blue Kool-Aid immediately was thinking playoffs, was thinking on the cusp, seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. I didn't see it then. I don't see it now. And now what I do see on top of that is a general manager that may very well be completely over his head. This is where the question now is in play. Is like, okay, well, what is the the leash of Nick Casario? Obviously, you're not firing him in in week three of the NFL season. Uh, If you were, I think the earliest time you're going to move on from Casario is probably the offseason, to be completely honest. The way that I, like, I'm willing to be lenient on a general manager when it comes to players that he drafted that got hurt. But where my leniency ends is when the player comes in with the proneness to injury already, like Derek Stingley Jr. Like, if Derek Stingley Jr. was completely healthy his entire college career, never got hurt at LSU, we didn't have draft day questions about the health of Derek Stingley Jr. He drafts Derek Stingley Jr. He has a hamstring pull last year, hamstring pull this year. Like, I would be, I would have forgiveness to Nick Casario because there's been no proof of injury sure. proneness in his career. Uh, this is kind of unlucky. It's unfortunate, all of those things. Where I draw the line, though, is when a player has already been prone to injury in his collegiate career before you ever pick him. That's why I'm not forgiving Nick Casario today, because Derek Stingley Jr. had a history, pretty long history, of being injured in college. You said, the heck with that. This is too good of a football player to pass up, even though that there was another cornerback there who was comparable 
turned out to be more than comparable uh, the very next season. So that's where I'm not going to let Nick Casario off the hook. If if Derek Stingley Jr. did not have injury history in his collegiate career, okay, Nick, unlucky, willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. But because Derek Stingley Jr. has had history of injuries before he was ever selected at number three ahead of Sauce Gardner, I can't forgive Nick Casario for but, that. But look at all the other missteps we've highlighted, right, throughout his career and his tenure and all the different ways that – you know, there's been question marks whether he mishandled completely a situation or he just fumbled a lot. Well, there's lot. two in the first round there. I mean, right. the Derek there's two Stingley, in the first round. There, there's, there's, like, there's two for each front, though. Like, there's Derek Stingley over Sauce. There's Derek Stingley ignoring the injuries. There's trading down from 13 when you could have took Jordan Davis. Some people say Kyle Hamilton, but you got Jalen Petrie. Then you trade down to 15 and you take an interior offensive lineman. That's probably the worst interior offensive lineman that was taken in that first round. There was all the low round trades we highlighted a week sure, ago. Sure, but I mean, this is specific. Like, but I'm, I'm going I'm, over I'm, it. But I'm talking about April 28th specifically. Okay, oh, for April 28th specifically. The, the, the whole Kenyon Green thing boggles my mind because it, it, no matter what, it was it seemingly too high for a guard. And, and, and the fact that he took a guard that high was befuddling to me. We already know that, that we both were on board with Sauce Gardner and the fact that this to me, it, it just seems like too much of a no-brainer. I know that Lance and others were talking about just how enamored, enamored he got the more he saw Stingley Jr. working out at LSU. But this is a guy that had taken an entire year off and had all the injury concerns already, and yet he was hell-bent with blinders on that he was not going to look Sauce Gardner's way. He was going to get, quote-unquote, his guy. So the, the combination of the two, the, the saving grace of his entire draft was going to be Stingley Jr. because we already saw what happened with Kenyon Green in year one, and then we never we weren't going to see him this entire year based on they put him on IL before he even played a regular season game. You know how passionate I am about the mishandling after that date on the Kenyon Green situation. Yeah. So you already know that's just another negative against him. But the fact that you did what you did in a way that no one but you could do because you weren't going to let anybody else in the room and you did what you felt like was best for this franchise with nobody else seemingly anywhere around and no D'Amico Ryans in sight yet, there's only one person that's the architect of these two horrible moves. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to go outside of that day, too, look at, I mean, you hired Cully. You hired David Cully. Uh, 713-780-3776. This is a call I've been looking forward to all day. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Gary, you're in the high. What's up, Gary? <laughs> What's up, guys? So, <laughs> Happy birthday, Gary. I have, I, yeah, I know, right? It's not a celebration because even though I want Casario going, right, I want the team to be successful. The only way that can happen is if the players are good. But I've been convinced for at least two years that Nick Casario is not the guy for the job. And day after day, and it's just going to keep revealing itself that it's just very obvious. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. Point blank, period. We can go to the head coaches, the draft picks, the trades, and other trades that didn't happen. He doesn't know what he's doing. It does look like we have a quarterback, which is good. And so I really wish Calvin there would look at the obvious. Move on from Casario and let's build on C.J. Stroud because we really don't have any other pieces on this team. Like, we have Stroud, maybe Pierce, um, the safety. Like, we just have to get a new GM. Like, now is the time. Like, we have to get a new GM. I've been saying it forever. Hopefully, the Texans see it as well. Appreciate the call, as always, Gary, and all the love that you always have to protrude for uh, one Nick Casario. My big thing is, you and I were talking about this leading into the offseason. And this was as we got closer to the draft, too. And then subsequently a week or two after the draft. I said it was still too early in, in Nick Casario's tenure to be putting him on the hot seat or calling for his head, like a lot of people were. 
But I said, if we get to next year at this very same time, at the end of the season, and we're still talking about Nick Casario in a negative light, then it could be time for him to go, and he should be on the hot seat and more. Now he's doing so many missteps in the middle of the, not even in the middle of the season, at the start of the season. And so many things are glaringly negative and all fingers point to him that there can be little to no doubt that it, that he is not doing his job properly. He is not doing the job he was hired to do. And he certainly isn't arch, the architect of a successful rebuild in a lot of ways, or at least it could have been a lot better had he done things differently and it wasn't like rocket scientists that no one else could see where these things were coming from. The injuries are something that you can see glaringly at LSU. You can see them on the injury report from week to week. You know what people are telling you when they're working him out and what he's been through and the severity of what a Liz Franck injury is, especially with a guy that needs his feet as much as a corner does. You go back and forth, up and down, left to right, side to side. Nothing points to positivity with Nick Casario. And I tried. I tried with the Watson trade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I said by the end of the year, I think you probably have to play it out the rest of the season. But because of that black cloud, too, and the move that he made there, he sets you up for failure a little bit more going forward, no matter what you do with him between now and the end of the season. I don't think you have to wait. I think you can make that decision in two or three weeks. You can make it now if you wanted to. You're not going to fire Casario. I don't think in the middle. I think. You're going to wait to the end of the year. It's a rebuilding team. The that's Titans not win, did it. Not win now ish. The Titans did it. The Titans did it because Mike because they, wasn't there like John wasn't Robinson. Because, weren't they buttonhead? Yeah, but what they, they knew during the season that Brown. the reason why they weren't doing well is because they traded A.J. Brown. They figured, why would we wait? We have a general manager that was in place that made mm-hmm. the wrong decision. It is costing this football team. It is hurting this football team. We are moving on at the end of the season before the season was over. I don't think there's anything wrong with the Texans taking so who's that gonna, who's gonna do the So who's going to operate the general managing position for the last well, I mean, Jack Easterby did it. It can't be that hard. Well, Jack Easterby was the well, okay, biggest Jeff mistake Bagwell. in NFL history. So, like, right, advocating that, oh, if we have this Jack Easterby parallel in the front office, let's just give him the no, job is just an abstract disaster. But there's got to be – there's guys in the front office that can handle waiver claims. I just uh, It doesn't make sense to fire him midseason. Like, D'Amico Ryans likes Nick Casario a lot – uh, at least that's what he do, he says publicly, and I D'Amico Ryan doesn't strike me as a liar. I think he would just ignore any sort of Nick Casario stuff. He doesn't do the drama. He doesn't do the negative stuff. If he didn't like Nick Casario, he just wouldn't talk well, and about he came, Nick Casario. When he came in, I know from people that know him very well that said he was all about – if you, he didn't trust you, he was not going to work with you. So he evidently built up some kind of trust with Casario for them to still have a working yeah. relationship. Firing Nick Casario in seasons off is honestly a brutal take. Like, you're not going to... Why? Because somebody got hurt. Like, he got hurt. Well, Derek Stingley Jr. got hurt. Can but what's you, the can difference you open between now to, and then the end? Because you, he should have the entire season to operate. Nick Casario should be the guy in that front office that he has, like, the biggest brains, that is more capable of operating than other assistant general managers that he hired. Like, firing the head of the snake, it's still people that he brought in. Absolutely. These are still Nick Casario guys. So what's the point of promoting an assistant general manager just to, like, hey, Nick Casario, you drafted a guy who got hurt. We're going to fire you. That's silly. But then I don't see the difference between if you're not going to fire midseason and at the end if the basis of the firing is off guys that are injured. I just I'm not a fan of in season hirings. I think it's but like, Kenyon Green was awful before he got hurt. Tons of sense. Yeah, he was awful when he got before he got hurt. Now Stingley's mm-hmm. been Stingley's been good through two weeks. Yeah. That's the that's the part that's frustrating about this too. Is I think Derek Stingley was like out of the gates about to have a really good season. So it's incredibly frustrating that all of a sudden pulled hamstring. He's out six to eight weeks. But look, 
I, I think that Nick Casario's job was already going to be on the line this offseason. First year, second year, D'Amico Ryan, somewhere between that bridge. Maybe D'Amico wants to bring his own guy in. But you're not going to fire Nick Casario week six, week seven on the basis of a guy getting hurt. I would say this. I, mean, I said before the draft he should have been fired. So you can fire him whenever you want. <laughs> Nick Casario should not have been in charge. Like I, it's not necessarily Nick Casario. We're all happy thing. about Stroud and Anderson, though, right? Yes, well, but I made all, it clear. But but before the draft, my philosophy, like I said, was always just start clean. It was. It's the right thing to do. I don't think you should be handing the keys to a head coach and then not also change the GM because it never works out. It never works out for any NFL team. It's not just the Texans thing. But like eventually, the coach is going to outlast the GM, and then the cycle is going to continue. That if you're going to have a GM that is going to trade away future draft capital, that guy should be committed to be here. You should believe in that guy to the point where they're going to be here for four or five years, and I don't think any of us think that's going to happen. Can I throw this to you guys just because, Joe, you've actually lived through this in some way? The one thing where I said I would say, because I agree with you, Jerry, I think it's, I think the smart move is to wait till the end of the season. But at the same time, if I play devil's ad- advocate for a second, the one fear you have is, when the general manager gets desperate and realizes I may not be here at the end of the year anyway, and then he starts further jeopardizing the franchise by making dumb trades or moves, trying to save face at the last minute. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out. They, I mean, that's when Cal just doesn't allow it, or that's when D'Amico Ryan's doesn't D'Amico allow it. D'Amico has to do like, that. You, that just doesn't pass through because it needs your signature. Uh, 713-780-3776. When is the best time to have that conversation about Nick Casario? Is he the right man for the job? How long? Do you do it midseason? 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Some would say that uh, it sounds stupid as hell to blame injuries on Nick Casario, that, that it's just plain dumb. Here's why it's not. When a player is injury prone before you ever draft them, they are prone to injury. Players that are prone to injury stay injured. Michael Brantley, Lance McCullers, Jordan Alvarez. Like people, does does uh, does general manager Jeff Bagwell get crushed, crushed for signing that's Michael what, Brantley on a one year deal? Doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. didn't general manager Jeff Bagwell get crushed for signing Michael Brantley, fresh off Montero. his shoulder surgery, to a twelve million dollar deal? Montero hadn't been hurt though. No. Like so. If Bagwell gets crucified for signing Brantley because he's had a history of injury, how does a general manager that Coming drafts a player that has history of injury and can't even run at the time that you're drafting him, of course it's fair to criticize a general manager to do that, especially when it's a draft. Like, it's one thing to take a flyer on a guy that's hurt. It's one thing to just pay Michael Brantley money. Like, you didn't give up anything for Michael Brantley other than the owner's money, but do you know what you gave up by drafting Derek Stingley Jr., an injury-prone player out of college? The opportunity of drafting Sauce Gardner. So absolutely you blame the general manager in a scenario like that. We got a text message, and it's too long to read all of it, from Mario1680. Uh, the last four, and he said, you need better content than talking about the Texans GM and draft in 2022. And then he started to go in on embrace the suck. Okay, the whole reason why I said embrace the suck was if you did it right for two years and you played your cards right that way, you would have the pick of the litter of all the rounds in the draft, you'd have all your picks back, and it would get you on a fast track to getting back quicker. 
And then they screwed it up in the last regular season game last season. But then with all that being said, you had two first-round picks, a high second-round pick. You had tons to work with. You made the trade you did, and we're going to wait to see how it plays out. But the reason why I was adamant from the move, the time the move was made that I didn't like it is because I didn't feel the team and the roster was ready to take the next step yet, and now this puts pressure on everyone in that building and everyone on that roster to try and win more now. And, and I didn't think they were ready to do that, and now it looks like more than ever they're not ready to do that. And that is not how you properly execute a rebuild. And so those kind of things bother me. That's why it's worthy of having this conversation. We're talking about two guys that in different ways have completely been failures as first-round picks when those are supposed to be the easiest slam-dunk hit picks. I mean, you really don't need to justify that. This is the lead story in the city of Houston. Like, it doesn't even deserve a response. Like, this is the A story in the city of Houston today without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. John, you're in the hive. What's up, John? Well, Joe just stole my thunder completely, almost word for word. I'm telling you, Nick Casario, yes, he, he, he inherited a team that was just depleted of talent. But he got lucky and got lot, gobs of, of load of, uh, of trade capital, of, of, excuse me, of draft capital through that trade with Watson. And, and instead of doing the, what you're supposed to do and, and, and hold those picks and, and, and when your team is that depleted of talent, starts trading this draft capital away for for it's just he did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do and if you can't these fans that can't see that it's just i'm sorry uh maybe you haven't watched football very long or something or you just don't know the exact theory of how this works uh joe is exactly right he did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do and i don't understand why people still take up to this guy besides the fact he didn't he, he that disaster of game 17 last year and signing Cully and then Simon Stingley, I mean, it's just there's so much built up that's it's bad for him. Mm-hmm. How could you take up to this guy? He's terrible. I've tried to I, def- I say I can get rid of him now because how much worse could it get? Appreciate it, John. I, I just don't think you're doing anything significant in the rest of the year. Like, you're bringing in one-year free agents. You're bringing in guys who are just going to fill out the, like, the, the roster. You're not trading significant draft picks at the trade deadline. Uh, and, look – if you have the idea that you could potentially be moving on from Nick Casario as soon as the offseason, then Cal McNair needs to be on it. D'Amico Ryans needs to be on it. You're not going to allow Nick Casario uh, to have free reign on the roster or free reign on draft picks and transaction, uh, transactions and things like that. The, the trading of a bunch of like draft picks, and look, some people, well, stop talking about the 2023 first round. Okay, we'll stop talking about that. But the amount of times that Nick Casario has traded up in drafts when he has a roster depleted of talent and depleted of depth is always something that's been baffling to me. And he's honestly, he's been pretty good in the late round. So it's like, why are you trading from a strength? But I've tried to defend Casario at times. Um, I did too. You know, but this this is not a good day for Nick Casario. And yeah, it is fair to criticize the general manager who drafts injury-prone players. And Kenyon Green had some injury concerns whenever they drafted him, too. Josh Jordan just posted on yep. Twitter. I, I, I vaguely remembered that, but I, I, I was not confident in myself, so I'm glad he posted that story. But look, you draft injury-prone guys, they then stay hurt in their NFL career that ultimately is going to come back down to you. If you're someone that's making, you're the decision maker on your general manager's career with your team, it's the easiest low-hanging fruit you can grab onto. You drafted guys that coming into the league 
were damaged good. He just said Mechie with the ACL, too. That's yeah. Like, I forgot about that. So you had all those different guys, and, and I, I second kudos to Josh for, for throwing that our way. Look, that's the first thing that even a guy like Cal, who isn't the most football-savvy guy on the planet, can look at and go, well, why in the heck are we doing this when these guys are already not being able to play all the time? I mean, this is the problem. It's too easy. But if we can see it, we hope Cal can see it. But it's that's why it's so easy to point the finger and say, I don't know any general manager in the league, Jeremy, honestly, in any league, in professional sports, that if you know that you've got a, a guy that could be a key player to your team, and you know going into a season before you even start practicing for said season is hurt and is going to be hurt, and, and it looks like it's going to be a, a situation where at a certain point they're not going to be able to play anymore, and you don't prepare for that, and you don't have a backup plan, and you don't load up the rest of your roster so that you can be capable of moving on quickly from that, that's a huge swing and a miss that you can't, and you go out in the media and you admit it. He admitted it. He did. Uh, 9806, this is so emotional. He drafted the right quarterback and pass rusher. He has hit on several other picks, especially in late rounds. I I don't disagree a whole lot with that, but it does come with cost. Uh, and, and depending on where the Texans end up in the 2024 draft, and we won't know until then, it could be a tremendous amount of opportunity there. So while I like C.J. Stroud a lot, I'm falling more and more in love with C.J. Stroud the more and more I watch of him and listen to him. I, I he, he's I'm, I'm enamored uh, with C.J. Stroud. I really am. And same thing with Will Anderson. Now, Anderson was better in week one than he was week two. Right. You know, Indy kind of schemed him out of some stuff, which credit to Indy. It, it wasn't really a knock on Will Anderson at all. I, I like both of those guys. Now, the cost of drafting the two guys that could have been right, could have been the right quarterback, and could have been the, pa- the best pass rusher, still might be an overspin to get yeah, those guys. That's the way I look at it because you, 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 wanted your, you had your cake and eat it too. You wanted both too soon. You have to have patience in a rebuild, too. So as much as you'd like to get your pass rusher and your quarterback in the same draft, if it cost you the draft capital, you had to get up to get it with the potential of at least one of those two guys at their positions or similar positions or wherever on the roster, a more impactful player a player or players being available if you didn't give up those picks, then you have to question it. You could have had one or the other. You wanted both. And because you did, you gave up the opportunity to get, what, three impactful players for your roster over the next two seasons? That's concerning when you didn't have that good of a roster to begin with and you were just starting to turn the corner on the rebuild. 713-780-ESPN. So you have Kenyon Green, who you... Look, you don't trade down. You draft Jordan Davis. That's a win. You trade down. You select Kenyon Green. Uh, ahead of interior offensive linemen that have had much better careers. And Kenyon Green had some rumors of some knee concerns. And, by the way, had knee surgery this past offseason. And now his shoulder surgery is out for the year. Uh, Derek Stingley was hurt. Couldn't even run yet whenever you drafted him because of the, the Liz Franck injury. Uh, and he's missed eight games last year. He's going to miss six to eight games this year after was injury prone. John Mechie, torn ACL. He's got a history of drafting guys that have had injury concerns prior to their NFL career. 713-780-3776. Now, I do have the plan on how to handle Nick Casario as soon as this offseason. I'm not going crazy like Joe George and firing him in season, as much as Joe likes that idea. But here is what I would do with the general manager position 
as soon as this offseason. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Also have the idea for what you should do on Saturday, and that's get over to TD ECU Stadium and watch some college football. The Houston Cougars taking on Sam Houston. Did you see the weather report, too? Saturday evening at 6 o'clock, right around kickoff time. It's going to be gorgeous it's going to be beautiful so get outdoors watch some football it's going to be outstanding on saturday houston sam houston first matchup between these two teams since 2005 cougars looking to bounce back in the perfect way to kick off your weekend with some family fun they want to take care of the families get our exclusive family four pack for an unforgettable experience you can get four tickets four hot dogs four sodas all for just 60 dollars. where else can you find that sort of family value you can't maybe you don't have have a family that's to come later individual tickets though twenty dollars head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713 go cougs come early get out there for the beautiful weather the tailgating scene especially cougar alley in front of td ecu stadium huge led tv screens you won't miss any of the college football action prior to kickoff the bud light backyard enjoy a nice drink coke fan fest which is tons of fun and much much more get your tickets today head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713 go cougs Houston, Sam Houston, Saturday at 6. Outstanding weather this Saturday evening at TDECU. Come early, be loud, and wear red. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Other news around the NFL. Trayvon Diggs suffered a torn ACL at practice today. So corners are dropping like yes, flies at practice. Stop practicing. Allen Iverson was right the entire time. He was he he was he was early. He was he wasn't wrong. He was early. His practice stuff just killing these corners. And uh if you do have fantasy purposes for tonight's game, Brandon Ayuk or betting purposes, we'll talk to Lee Sterling here at the top of the hour, get some bets in. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk will not play tonight, Thursday night football against the Giants. All right, here here's Saquon's out too, officially. Yeah, with the ankle. Yeah. Yep. The ankle. Yeah, that's amazing. He was even in line to have the possibility of playing. Um Nick Casario, do you want him back in 2024? 713-780-3776. Here's my plan, and my plan is simple, honestly. You handed the keys to the kingdom to D'Amico Ryans. The moment you hired him, he was the face that ran the place. He's the face of the organization. You have Hannah McNair going to him on the field at training camp saying it's the D'Amico effect. Everybody's all in on D'Amico Ryans. Rightfully so. You know, was a captain here, was a really good player for the Houston Texans. He's, uh, I think, one of the better defensive coaches in the NFL, although Shane Steichen got one over on him this past Sunday. He's just dominated him. But D'Amico Ryans is the Houston Texans. D'Amico Ryans is the face of the Houston Texans. He's bigger than Nick Casario. Quite frankly, if I'm Cal McNair, I go to D'Amico Ryans in the offseason and I say, D'Amico Ryans, are you cool with Nick Casario as the general manager or do you want one of your guys? And whatever D'Amico Ryans tells me, I give D'Amico Ryans what he wants because the moment you hire D'Amico Ryans, the plan's to give him every single resource to have success. I give him the power to make that decision. Well, this is what I was comparing it to was, but on the flip, would be the Astros situation when James Click inherited Dusty Baker. At a certain point, every general manager wants to hi- have their own head coach, and Click looked like the long-term power guy. On the flip side, in this situation, you're absolutely right. D'Amico kind of reset the deck, and we knew he was going to have longevity way over 
no matter how long Nick Casario could survive his job. And so on the flip side, you would think if you're handing the keys to D'Amico, he gets to pick his co-pilot at a certain point. It's kind of like when Nick got hired and Jack helped him, and it was kind of like, well, Nick probably decided, I'm going to keep him around for at least a year because I kind of owe him one. And then, lo and behold, after a year, Jack was out the door, and Nick it was Nick's show to run. I think D'Amico, you're probably right, is going to have the final say along with Cal on this, but there's so much writing on the wall that I got to believe when D'Amico took the job, he already had penciled in, whether it was immediately with his coaching staff or somewhere soon after that down the road, there were guys he had his eye on to be the guys he wanted to work with on a daily basis. And I'm sure he had a candidate or two for general manager. Yeah, I, I, I give D'Amico Ryans the power to make that decision because he's the, he's the face. He's the face. Brooks Cabina just tweeted, uh, update. Okay, so Aaron Wilson reported six to eight weeks. It's not been a good uh, year for Aaron Wilson. Uh, Brooks Cabina says, after evaluating Texans corner Derek Stingley Jr.'s hamstring injury today, it's possible that he could be sidelined for four weeks per source. This is interesting on a couple fronts. One, Aaron Wilson said six to eight. Brooks is saying four. Aaron Wilson said D'Amico Ryan's not interested in the Denver job. He said that Kendrick Green was going to start week one. Did not. Um, it's kind of funny to me, though, that the Texans are leaking to Brooks Cabina that it's going to be a four-week injury, not a six- to eight-week injury. This feels like some uh, damage control. Yep. It feels like yep. damage control to me a lot, quite CYA. frankly. Lot yeah, it's CYA. not six- to eight-weeks, guys. It's half that. It's four weeks. We caught it I mean, soon it enough. It feels better when you – But it's stupid. It sounds but, better. But it's so stupid to put that timeline out there because with the moment – that he's not back after four weeks, you're going to get hammered. Or like you're going to you, get him out there before he's 100%, and then right. he's going to do it again. But you just wear it. Like, they should be wearing it today. Like, I, I'm a big believer in uh, undersell, over-deliver. And this is the opposite. They're overselling and potentially under-delivering. If, if he's not back in four weeks, then we're going to crush them all over again. What you have to do is you have to wear it today, put no timeline That's on it, and exactly when he's what I was back, say. he's back. Here's like, your this spin. is dumb. From this a, is dumb. From a PR perspective, here's your team spin. Our team is we are going to continue to evaluate Stingley Jr. on a day-to-day basis. We At this point, we are not in a position to put an overall timeline on the injury. Based on more testing and as the days go on, we're going to see at what level of a – of a pull was the hamstring and we can further evaluate it at that time and leave it open-ended. But the fact that if you're trying to put a timeline on it, you're setting yourself up for more failure because either, like you said, either he's, you're going to get to that point. He's not ready to turn to to return and they're going to have egg on their face, or they're going to try and encourage him and get him out there, even though he's not a hundred percent. And we know players want to play unless you're Larry Tunsil. And then when he comes out to play, he has a better chance of re-aggravating the injury. Especially an aggressive timeline. Like, that's the other part of it, too. Dusty and Mount Bellevue, at this point, what should uh, what would Stroud Anderson Jr. need to do in their careers to justify the draft trade at this point? I can't give you that answer because I don't know what the Houston Texans pick lands. If the Houston Texans were picking number one next year and Caleb Williams is the next Pat Mahomes, there's nothing Stroud and Anderson can do, quite frankly. If the Texans rally and win seven games and that pick next year turns into, like, Xavier Worthy and Xavier Worthy's a good, not great receiver... Anderson Jr.'s great. Stroud's top 10 quarterback. It's a win. So, like, I need to know more before I can really give you that answer to give you some sort of, like, you know, level on that what Stroud and Anderson need to do. Because I think Stroud has a chance to be top 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. Anderson, potentially a chance to be a top 10 edge rusher. I like them both. They both have really good potential. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's just, you, like you said, the biggest thing is, is that no one in that building evidently thought that there was a chance they could be one of the five worst or, or four worst or three worst football teams in, uh, in the NFL. And right now, sure, you've also been bit by a lot of injury bugs. But at the same time, 
Nothing should have told you about your roster that with a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback, no matter how good he can be. Like you said, he might be end up being a top-10 quarterback in the league. It wasn't going to be in, we, in year one. Nothing should have told you that you should have that grandiose an expectation for this squad for this year. I, I still st- I don't believe that they made that trade with the intention of winning this year. They, they made the trade because they felt like that in the long term, Will Anderson and C.J. Shaw were going to be two of the best players in the draft, not the two best. I don't think they made the trade with the intention of winning this year. I feel like they made the trade because they loved Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, and they haphazardly didn't realize they could be giving up a generational player. Oh, for sure. That's, that's that I don't I, I don't disagree with and that at that's, all. That's a failure as a general manager. Because like, I still like the trade. That, cause I like I, the players. See, I, I don't think that it depends on if what pick you get next year. I think it's more about like, what, if what happens. What if it Caleb Williams? Yeah, if it's Caleb Williams, quarterback ever. Well, what if they win a Super Bowl in four years? Does it matter? Well, it's going to be difficult if Caleb Williams is the greatest quarterback ever. That's true. But Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback ever, so most likely. We'll I just, I, I just don't think, I don't think the pick matters. I think the end results do matter, which is almost like a cop out of like how you evaluate it. But there will be anger next year for sure if it's top three pick. But in the long term, if Casario was right and CJ Stroud's a franchise quarterback, and so is. Will Anderson on the defensive side, and they can get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, yeah. I think it nullifies the but, trade. But the way you look at it is, are the two guys that you took this year going to be better than a, the, the player you could get with your pick next year? A, and that's where I think you could have Russell Wilson this year, or you could have a top 10S quarterback for the next several years. But I if, think if you win a Super Bowl, though, to Joe's point, I, I don't think we look back at this trade and ever say anything. Like, honestly. Well, that's probably true. But I'm just saying, as it, as you look at it, when you're trying to rebuild and you're looking about the draft picks and the value of the draft picks, they wanted these two guys. And these two guys could be above average and really good football players in this league. But if we say Stroud could be a top 10 quarterback in this league, but you end up, because of the making the trade, passing on a guy that could maybe be a top three quarterback in this league, then did you make the right move? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, 7793, y'all haven't mentioned the possibility of the biggest mistake Nick has made. He shouldn't have allowed the few good players we had to play in the final game last season. Well, I agree. I'm happy how that worked out. Like, I, I right now, this is revisionist history. I'll be the first to admit it because I, I would have taken Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud if I had my option. If I could do it all over again, if I could pick any of the rookie quarterbacks today, right now, who's going to have the best career? I'm taking C.J. Stroud, so I, I'm over the, the Week 18 win yeah, against the Colts. I, I'm not going to tell you that I thought that, that Stroud was going to be better than Bryce Young, and, and I, I think that's why everybody was so disappointed. So you're right. If we could have revisionist history from right now, this point in this, what we've seen so far in this season, I think we're, they're lucky that it worked out this way. But if you talk at just out of straight strategy, how an organization should operate so that you have the absolute best possible scenario to get the best possible players in every round of the draft, then you should have orchestrated the moves. And we've said this prior that he should have been able to not even put it in Lovey's hands and taking guys off the field just so that you could get the end result that would give you the best chance for success in the draft. You didn't happen. This one kind of worked out with fate in your your way, but it's no time to put things in fate when you're trying to build a rebuild and you need the best pick in every round. 713-780-3776. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's been on a heater to start the year. He's going to give you some winners on the other side with this weekend's college football and pro football action. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.